You're listening to the Gaining Traction Podcast, Episode 3. The only way to hit the ground running is by gaining traction. If you're looking for tactical, actionable advice on how to get real feedback from your audience and turn it into immediate results that benefit your business, then you've come to the right place. Join Ryan as he uses years of collective wisdom to help you handle the issues that entrepreneurs face every day. Welcome to Gaining Traction with your host, Ryan Battles. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning into the Gaining Traction podcast, where we take a look into the ways to gain traction with our self-funded businesses. The material that I'm going to cover in this podcast is also covered over at my blog at ryanbattles.com. So if you prefer to read as opposed to listen, you can do so there. Uh, Without further ado, let's get into this week's topic, which is personal retreats. I'm pretty confident of this, that taking regular personal retreats is one of the best habits that you can develop to ensure the health of your business. Now, you may be thinking, I don't have time for a personal retreat, or I have kids, or I have a day job, and I just can't take time away from it. Well, these are valid reasons, but each and every one of them can be overcome. Once you see how beneficial a personal retreat is to your business and personal life, you'll wonder how you ever functioned without them. In this podcast, we'll be looking at exactly what a personal retreat is, what to do on a personal retreat, and how you can fit one in when you have other commitments that make it difficult to take time away in solitude. So why do we need a personal retreat? I used to think this way, and I'd hear people take personal retreats and I'd say to myself, this must be nice. I can't do that. I've got four young kids. Well, there are actually a handful of benefits that an entrepreneur experiences when they take a personal retreat. Number one is a personal retreat allows you to gain perspective. Perspective helps move your business forward. Whereas meditation helps you gain perspective during your day, a personal retreat provides that perspective for the next few months and beyond. Uh, Number two is a personal retreat is a discipline. The act of stopping and reflecting is not something that we do naturally, especially entrepreneurs. We're often so excited to move a project forward that the act of pausing takes conscious effort. A personal retreat forces us to stop, unplug, and make decisions that will greatly impact the future of our businesses. And number three, a personal retreat prevents stagnation. A good personal retreat will inspire you to set a few goals for the next few months. This forces us into a time crunch to complete certain activities and that moves the business forward. Taking a personal retreat is not easy. It does require some scheduling and perhaps even a little money if an overnight is involved. However, the time and money spent is more than recouped if your personal retreat helps you take your business to the next level. It's amazing how little time we spend reflecting on our businesses. Author of the book Essentialism, Greg McCune, writes, Sometimes we spend more time planning our vacations than planning our careers. When we go on vacation, not only do we often create a list to ensure that we don't forget anything, but we get our affairs in order as well. We stop the mail, we arrange for someone else to keep an eye on the house, we mark our calendars, we clear our schedules, and you know, if we can do this for our personal vacations, we can certainly do it for a personal retreat. So, how long is this personal retreat supposed to last? Depending on who you talk to, the personal retreat can last anywhere from a single workday to a whole week. Many people find that two days is ideal. Rob Walling, founder of Drip, recently did an Ask Me Anything thread on bootstrappers.io, and he had this to say about personal retreats. The ideal length is 48 hours or longer, totally solo, no family, no kids. 
This also means that you need to feel like you have plenty of time to make this successful. So don't make the trip too short. I recommend 48 hours. Now, in contrast, Greg McCune calls his reflection time quarterly offsites and does them every three months for only a part of his workday. Depending on the level of decision-making, prioritizing, and de-stressing that you need to do, your length and frequency of a retreat will vary. For me, I have four young kids and a wife that works part-time. Getting away for several days is a big ask for my wife, and so I've elected to do the one-day quarterly personal retreat schedule. I like the quarterly retreat because it forces me to set three-month goals, which is usually a long enough time to finish something meaningful, but short enough that I don't procrastinate. I might even break down my quarterly goal into monthly achievables, which I then visit when making my weekly plan every Sunday night. So the agenda of a personal retreat, the last thing you want to do is go on a personal retreat and waste time not getting deep into the things that need to be thought through. It definitely helps to have an agenda going into the retreat so that you know what to reflect upon. So part one, here are some reflection questions that you can ask yourself on the retreat. One, what have I accomplished since my last retreat? Two, what's worked well for me since my last retreat? Three, how do I feel about what I've accomplished since my last retreat? Four, what am I thankful for since my last retreat? And five, what could I have done differently since my last retreat? Now, part two of your retreat is going to involve stillness. I think this step is critical. If you haven't meditated before, uh, you should check out the earlier podcast or post on my blog about meditation for entrepreneurs. But after clearing out your thoughts from the, from, um, the period since your last retreat, try spending some time just being aware of your thoughts. Enjoy a break from all the distractions of your daily life, your email, your Twitter, your children interrupting you. Just relax. Another great activity during this time is to take a walk. If you're out in nature, head out on a trail. Get moving so that your brain can enjoy the increase of oxygen and who knows what thoughts might enter your mind. If you are a person of faith, this could also be a good time to spend in prayer. Ask for clarity and wisdom as you move into this planning period, which is the next part, part three. By now, you should be ready to sit down and start planning out the next period between retreats. Here are a few questions that might be helpful to explore during this time. One, what would make this next period awesome? Two, where do I see myself in the next two years? Three, how can this next period help me achieve those long-term goals? Four, what events are coming up that I need to prepare for? Five, how can I break my goals up into monthly blocks? Six, what will I get started on in the next week? And seven, what could potentially prevent me from achieving these goals? Hopefully by the end of reflecting upon these questions, you'll have a pretty good idea of what you'll be trying to accomplish over the next few months until your next retreat. While there are dedicated retreat centers located throughout the country, you can still have an effective retreat within an hour's drive or so from where you currently live. Even in a big city, there are metro parks for hiking and quiet libraries for journaling. Perhaps a little noise helps you to reflect, so a downtown coffee shop might be a good spot for an afternoon. If you're taking the multi-day retreat, look for those cabin rentals or rooms near a lake, ocean, forest, desert, mountains, or river. Basically anywhere that you can look outside and it looks like a screensaver. Uh, now, the, here's a question whether to unplug or not, and this is a tough one. Should you bring your laptop to a personal retreat? Some people like to go with just a notebook and a few pens. Some people like to bring their full technology stack with them. Personally, I actually like having my laptop with me, but only to dump my goals into my task management software. Uh, during my reflection time, I close the laptop. It's just me and a notebook. 
And it's during this unplugged time that I gain most of my insight. Ariana Huffington, the co-founder of the Huffington Post, states, Your performance will actually improve if you can commit to not only working hard, but also unplugging, recharging, and renewing yourself. If having your laptop will become a distraction that prevents you from really getting away, then I would suggest not bringing it. If you can limit its use to only that which benefits your implementation of insight gained during the retreat, then go ahead and bring it. So I also just want to go over what my last retreat's itinerary was. The last time I took a personal retreat, I utilized a one-day schedule and told my wife I'd be coming home late for dinner. I started the day off earlier than normal in order to maximize the potential for the day. So at 6 o'clock, I headed over to Starbucks for a wake-me-up and to start journaling on the previous three months. At 8 o'clock, I headed over to the Metro Park for some hiking and time to let my thoughts organize themselves from the morning's reflection time. At 10.30, I headed to a French bakery that I love for a fresh croissant. This is one of those pleasures that I don't enjoy very often, so I wanted to have something to look forward to in the mid-morning. At 11 o'clock, I got in my car and drove to the conservatory. Uh, this This retreat that I was taking was during the winter months, so I wanted to feel rejuvenated by entering the lush, humid rainforest room. It was here that I took a seat and spent some time in deep thought and stillness. At uh, 12.30, I enjoyed my lunch and read a little bit. At 1.30, I headed to the lobby at the Hilton, which is kind of a strange place to hang out, a lot of people think, but um, there's uh, free you know, Wi-Fi, there's plenty of tables, chairs, fireplace, coffee's available. Um, it's actually a really nice place to go hang out, and um, it's definitely not as crowded as a lot of coffee shops. So um, that's where I did my future planning and goal setting. A few hours later, at 4 o'clock, I headed to another metro park for a final hike and just to let any other thoughts go through my processing and settle in before heading home. Uh, On my way home, I did stop in the local library to whip out my laptop and put my final reflections in my task management software. And I also put my goals on the calendar as a reminder. And finally, at 6.30, feeling rejuvenated and inspired with the plans for the next three months, I headed home. So to conclude... Taking time away for a personal retreat is a discipline that not many professionals take seriously enough. We have enough going on in our daily lives that a break just to think sounds pretty unproductive. However, it's during those breaks in our routine that we discover whether or not what we're being productive in is what really matters. We can utilize this time to ensure that our ships are on the right course and that we're not missing any major opportunities that are right in front of us. Taking time out to think is perhaps one of the best uses of our time as entrepreneurs. That's it for this week's episode. Don't forget to head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review in order to help spread the word. Also, feel free to email me at ryanbattles at gmail.com to let me know what you think of the podcast. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. That's all for this episode of Gaining Traction. Be sure to subscribe and head to ryanbattles.com to sign up for the newsletter and load up on more actionable advice to grow your business. Thanks again, and remember, the only way to hit the ground running is by gaining traction.